Welcome to the Afterthoughts Podcast. I'm Kip Strawbridge. And I'm Lindsay Marsley. And we are continuing our series in the book of John. Uh, last week it was Chris Brown, and he continued in chapter 7. And so today we're going to talk about, I wanted to start with the title of the message. Sometimes I like the title, sometimes I don't, own personal opinion. Uh, sometimes it's because re- typing them out in the podcast is annoying, and sometimes it's kind of like, I don't know if anyone would understand that outside of the context. But anyway, the point was that the title was uh, Why Church is a Dirty Word. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought we would start there uh, because it brings up some indictments on the church. And so kind of putting the church in the spotlight this week, as opposed to those outside of the church, uh, I thought we'd start with that conversation. What do you think? I feel like this is going to be good. Yeah? I'm excited to see where it goes. Okay. Well, uh, (laughs) what I thought was we would kind of some territory we try to cover would be getting down to the issue of what is it that uh, I'll, I'll put some context to it. Oftentimes we are very comfortable with the phrase as a Christian talking about non-believers uh, saying like you can, uh, Jesus says you could come as you are, but you can't stay that way, you know, and those kind of things. But I think he says the same thing to the Christian where he's like, you can't stay that way either. And so I thought that concept might shape the framework for where we go today. I love that. It's a little bit of the, I don't know if it's keeping up with the Joneses as much as it is. Grass is greener on the other side of the fence. Mm -hmm. Some of that um, is in there. But um, I think for context, we had a good conversation yesterday at the coffee shop saying um, that no matter what station in life or no matter what major identity factor shapes your construct of life, um, when you apply a Christian worldview to it and try to live according to scripture, uh, there are things that are easier because of your life situation and there are things that are harder. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything in that conversation that really jumped out to you that you go, Kip, if we talked about this for 20 minutes, I'd be happy. So much of it. Did. Yeah. All right. So much of it. Did. But I, okay. One of the things that I would love to start with is I think it's like, Looking at the church, mm-hmm. and I, I think the church does have a reputation as coming off as judgmental, hypocritical. I mean, I and I because of the hypocrites, because of the hypocrites, and but the judgmental like, people. Well, <laughs> yes, Kev, but like here's the thing: I think the concept of like, oh, you need you need to grow, like you know, come come as you are, but don't stay stay the same way. Right. That a con- concept doesn't all of a sudden disappear when you identify yourself as a Christ follower, right. when you like step over that line and give Jesus your life. Yeah. I would say that concept, that it's such a, it's a catchy phrase, that catchy phrase applies to your, your life even more so because there's more at stake. Yeah. You know, when, when you're a Christian and, and you challenge people to say, hey, like change, allow conviction to come into your life and do something with it. And we ourselves aren't applying that. Mm-hmm. It's the most damaging thing that a Christian can do. It's hypocritical. Well, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> hypocritical. Which is the which is the accurate indictment the church often gets, and I think that's maybe where Chris was going with it was that the message of the gospel isn't just for the non-believer; it's for the believer, mm-hmm. and we often forget that because I hear a phrase like. Jesus says, come as you are, but don't stay that way. And I think that's only a message to non-believers because it's like you come to Jesus as you are and then change and be like me. And it's like, no, don't be like me Uh because I'm not the pattern you're supposed to be following. And yet that's where I think the criticism of the church as being hypocritical or judgmental or whatever comes Mm -hmm. from is there are some people in process who haven't rightly managed their hypocrisy or their judgmental attitudes or 
even just their sinful nature um, or their sinful habits or their lifestyles that they have chosen that they haven't come to reconcile what the gospel says about it. And so I think with that, we think that there's this in, out, light switch on, off, non-Christian, Christian, Christian, because that's how we categorize everyone. And once you're Christian, light switch is on, then there's this certain expectation, this certain uh, standard that you're held to. And the reality is, is someone who accepts Christ, yesterday they were not a Christian. Yesterday their life didn't align with Christ, no matter what they were doing. But more importantly, there's this distinction between the justification, which is that fancy theological word for just meaning going, if you were to stand before God as a righteous judge, would he see you as justified, as right or wrong? And so that's that light switch on off we get. But then there's this process, big sanctification word, you know, theological term, which is the process of every believer to becoming more like Christ. And we treat them both as if they're one and the same when we use the term like righteous or uh, good even. You know, good's kind of the dumbed down word that we use to determine whether someone's good or not. Um, We just interchange that with Christian. And not all Christians are good because they're in process to becoming more good. So until then, we can't hold them accountable as if they represent the entire, you know, Christendom, you know, yeah. um, and often that's what happens. Yep. And I, I would say if like, we're bringing this down to a level of like, okay, how does this actually apply to me? Like, what does it mean for my yeah. life? One of the things that you and I spoke about yesterday where I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so good is, yeah. is if I'm in a place where I'm mentoring somebody or if I'm saying, Hey, like you have to surrender this area of your life mm-hmm. because God's word says it's wrong or, you know, which don't probably like if you're having that conversation, don't say it that way. Just, right. you know, social EQ thing. But if I'm having these hard and vulnerable conversations, mm-hmm. but there's a huge aspect of my life that I am not continually surrendering and working towards, then that is it's I'm a, I'm a hypocrite. Yes. And somebody who's been in their faith for a while, I can tell you that every single year of my life, I have a new trial. I have a new level of surrender. Right. I have a new, um, area of my life that I have to strive to say, okay, what does it look like to be obedient in this area? What does it look? And I I think, I think you hit close to home, not only with me, but probably some people who are listening. What does it look like not to compare my life to others, whether in a good or positive or a negative way in that, Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm doing so much better than them. Or man, if I was this, then life would be so much easier. And, both of those mindsets are destructive. They put a wedge between you and God. And I think they put a wedge between you and, and community. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I, yeah, like the thing that the, and this tie, feel free to tie it in. Cause I mm-hmm. love how you tied it in yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I know, don't know if I'm going to do it justice. Um, but what we talked about yesterday is that it's so easy to look at somebody's life and say, man, if I were married, yeah. My life would be so much easier in this way, this way, and this way. Yeah. And your response is like, man, if I were single, I could go buy <laughs> right? ice cream and not ask, ask my wife about right. it. Yeah. Whereas, like, like I was, honestly, I don't even want to put my own spin on it yet because right. I, like, can you break that down, like, what your thought process was in that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, it came up because I think it's so human nature, I guess, is what I'll attribute it to for us and I maybe it's a self-preservation sense we want to see ourselves better than we know we actually are and so in that we compare ourselves to others because if we're at least better than them then we're not so bad and and right or wrong neither here nor there the issue is is that it leads us down a path of finding our justification anywhere other than Christ and so when we do that in a sense it crosses over I don't want to do this non like casually 
But the closest thing that I would say is a biblical term for that, which we didn't actually talk about yesterday as I thought about it more, is it's kind of goes into that word of idolatry mm -hmm. because, but I don't want to go there too fast because then it takes it into an area where people are, you know, it's almost too cliche. Uh, but it, but in its essence, it's an idolatry in that it's something that we have put up in front of our eyes that prevents us from seeing God as clear as we mm -hmm. should, because this thing is what is in our in our line of sight or in our focus. Um, and for some people, like you were using that example of saying, there are times in my life as I wrestle with my life of going, I can easily look over the fence, you know, the grass is greener and say like, man, this is that thing that I desire and want. And maybe it's not being single. And, and then you begin to look at all the other people who have what, who have what you don't have. And then thinking that their lives are great and grand because they have it. And so therefore you're being punished in a sense for whatever. And that can take you down all kinds of roads, uh, of negativity and it's, doubt it's and frustration. Being punished or God is withholding. God right. is forgotten exactly. about you. There's, I think it's, I, like I totally interrupting. I hate it when people no, interrupt, go for but it. I do want to say like it to anyone listening and hearing this, mm -hmm. it's a hard thing to process because yeah. it's not necessarily like, well, I would say, I think we have a sense of entitlement and that we are owed that we have a right to right. that. And, and that, that, that's where it takes you down a road that puts a wedge between you and God. Mm -hmm. And, but when you, when you really look at it, which mm -hmm. I know this is again, I'm going to let you take over because <laughs> when you really look at it, something that you mentioned is like, yeah, like be being in your singleness, there is a level of, I don't want to say mourning because it sounds so soft, but it's fine. you know, I, I, I shared with you yesterday, like, Hey, like one of the things that I am struggling with is having to make really big decisions on my right. own. Yeah. And I'm going into having to make decisions that I've never made before and people are looking at me as though I already know what I'm doing in it. Right. And there's nobody for me to bounce this off of or to say, Hey, like, what should we do, do right. with this as a team? And so it's like, you have to acknowledge the fact that like, yeah, like part of me thinks I deserve that because I want to make the best decision. But right. even in that God is doing something that I think right. if I get stuck in that mentality, it's kind of like this, like mushy in between zone, then I don't see the big picture. Yeah. And that's what you, you painted so perfectly. And I could stand on the other side of the fence. And even just if I were to empathetically say, what if I were in your situation as someone who did have a teammate or, mm -hmm. you know, to make the decision, I didn't have to do it alone. It's just as equally what I have to wrestle with the issues of going, what if my teammate or partner disagrees with me? You know, it's like you have the luxury of no one disagreeing with you. You mm -hmm. know, I have the, the, the difficulty at times of, or I'll, or to make them fair, I'll say you have the difficulty of no one there to, to share the experience with. I have the difficulty of having to share the experience and, and each of us can look at what the other person has as is that'd be easier. And yeah. you go, that'd be easier. And I go, maybe it's not, maybe yeah. neither is better. And I think that's kind of where we were landing was exactly. the reality is, is where you are is where you are. And looking at someone else's life, you aren't living their life. So you, you're missing the full picture. So for me to assume that my life would be better in certain ways single, I'm only seeing the good parts of single mm -hmm. life. I'm not seeing the difficult parts of the yeah. single life. In the same way, someone who looks over the fence at a married person and goes, oh, all of these great things about being married. It's like you're not seeing all the hard yeah, things about exactly. being married. Because to be honest, like if I, I, I think it's like I have a, a, a perspective right now in life where it would be easy as a very selfish person to stop and go, I wish I was 20 and not married without kids because being married and having kids is hard. You know, and so it's it's a selfish desire for me to say, 
oh, life would be so much easier. But at the same time, it's it's growing me as a person if I submit to it. And that's where we kind of got to is yes. this idea of submission. We found is kind of the, it's the one thing we grasped at to go, that's a truth in the middle of all of this is that you and whatever station of life you are have to submit to that God is in control and your life isn't what you look over and see others having. Mm -hmm. And so you have to surrender it and go, well, this is what I have. Yep. So what do I do with that? In the yep. same way, I have to do that and go, I have to surrender because I like, I use the silly example of like, I can't go buy ice cream without telling my wife. Mm -hmm. Like that's a silly example, but there's some people who as a married person, and we've seen it time and time again, they stop and they go, you know what? I can't just have affection toward whoever I want. And so they go, that's not fair. And so they, then they take back the control of the guidance that God gives and goes, no, this is how that relationship works. And then they go outside of that and they go find someone else who's not their spouse to show affection to. And that leads them down dangerous roads that ruin marriages and families and kids and all kinds of stuff. Um, it's because in our minds, we set that up as an idol. It becomes of, of important value. And then in that, it begins to erode the values in our mind that we've been holding on to, to the point that we can then justify it. Mm -hmm. And and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to yeah. make it right for us to do what we're doing. And we see it even in little kids. And it's almost laughable when you see it in a kid. But it's almost, I would say, sad when you see it in an adult. But it's even worse when I see it in myself because I can do the same thing. Oh, we absolutely um, do. Yeah. And so I think yeah. that's it. I mean, we we branched out even beyond these two issues. It was just something that we related on. But it gets into other issues of basically any person in any lifestyle. Yep. But I think the greater uh, message that was there that we hit on was this idea of going back to the come as you are, but don't stay that way, was that we often take that to the next level in an evangelistic sense, sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus and the life transformation with someone else, we, we jump the fence too early and we kind of jump the starting line. And it's like, well, you need, you need Jesus because if you don't, you'll be separated for eternity. You have, you do not have someone who's paying the price of your sins for you and you, and you're not surrendering your life to him. And so if you're not forgiven of your sins and surrendering your life to Jesus, then you don't have eternity and security and salvation. So when we go, but once you do that, then these are the things in your life that should change. And so we get ahead of the salvation and security and into the lifestyle change. And we go, well, this is what you're going to have to do for that to match. And then we're almost deterring people from the good news of the gospel because it's like, because changing your life is going to be hard. And what we're holding people to a standard that we ourselves can't live up to. Exactly. It, it's, it's essentially saying, hey, become perfect. Get yep. rid of all your desires that may yep. not be in line with God's word and then then have a relationship with Jesus. And that's completely contrary to everything that Jesus practiced when he yep. was on this earth, everything that we're told in scripture. And I and I would say that it's in the areas of when when believers submit and they're in the, in the mm -hmm. act of submitting. And, and when I say that, that means it's a struggle. There are mm -hmm. going to be days where it's easy to submit. There are going to be days where you feel like giving up. Mm -hmm. There are going to be days where I'm going to be bitter at God and mm -hmm. I'm going to be frustrated that my plans aren't matching up with his plans. Yeah. But that's okay. You can feel those things as long as I'm not acting on it. Right. I can feel those things. And in those moments where I can say, hey, I am choosing to trust God. I'm choosing mm -hmm. to trust that God's plan that he, ha that he has for my life is more accurate, more beneficial than the plan I have for my own life, then I can then go and connect with somebody who's, whether it's a different lifestyle, life station, whatever it may be, I can go then sit down and have a conversation with them and say, I might not get the struggle mm -hmm. 
that you are processing that you, that you, I might not understand the road that you're walking down, but I do understand what it, what it means to trust God when what he's calling me to do doesn't match up with my desires. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that is, I mean, I, I, I feel like if Christians at the church in general had that mentality, the way that the world sees views, the church would be totally different. Yeah. And I, I think Chris made some bold statements in, the sermon this last weekend Mm -hmm. and that what do you do if there's a transvestite sitting in front of you at church if there's a gay couple sitting in front of you at the church and historically speaking christians have shunned those people and yet there you know there's a couple who's living with each other before they're married and like do we treat them the same do we treat them different and you know it's and that's where i would say in that area submission and humility approach others and love others as jesus would approach and love them yeah and i and i would say that it's preemptive when we begin to correct people's sin before one before they've even asked because if we if if they haven't even asked it's kind of insulting Mm -hmm. to be like hey by the way you know you don't know me um, but (laughs) i don't know you but let me tell you the worst thing about you um but it's it's a process and the reality is is god has to work on people's hearts on in that way and we can't do that Mm -hmm. we can't judge their hearts and everyone is in process and so it's not a well, if you're not going to meet up to what God calls you to, don't bother. It's like, that sounds really harsh, but in a sense, that kind of is the message at times. And I think that's what's very off-putting to uh, many of those communities, like the LGBTQ community, for example. It's it's off-putting to them because that is the message they often receive is it's like, well, if that's your lifestyle, you're not going to be welcome in God's kingdom. And it's like, whoa, who are you? It's like, God has to work on their heart to to mm-hmm. to work to work in the areas that he is working on their heart for but the gospel and the salvation that he offers is for everyone but the and that goes back to that justification and sanctification now if it's very likely that when they find out what God might call them to that they go hey not for me and i think people do that all the time sometimes it's drinking you know it's like Hey, you mean I can't go get smashed every weekend, you know, and do whatever I want? It's like, no. And they're like, well, then f- never mind to the church thing, you know, and the and the Jesus thing. And it's like, what's the difference of of any of those situations? Um, and I think too often, the church isn't seen as a hospital for hurting people. Mm-hmm. It's seen as a country club for righteous people. Mm-hmm. And then we think we're righteous and deserve to have our membership. And that's the worst possible okay. way for us to see the church and so it's kind of a gut check if you see yourself acting in a way that feels entitled there's a membership some are in and some are out kind of mentality it's like no it's like the door is wide open for anyone who comes but when you're in god's going to press on your heart and challenge you with the way you live your life no matter what your situation is he's going to call you to live your life according to his scripture and you have to decide in your heart at that point are you willing to submit that, surrender that to God, no matter what it is? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, to me, that's no different than whether it's drinking or a, a, a sexual lifestyle of any kind. Um, th- with our sexuality, with our finances, with everything that we do, God's going to challenge our heart and we have to respond mm-hmm. yeah. with submission. If we're not, then that raises a question of what we talked about going back to those soils. It's like, okay, you liked the good news on this on the sunny day but when the storm came you didn't and that's what god would refer to as that shallow soil it's like there's just enough soil there 
for you for the seed of the gospel to take root, but there's no depth to it because mm-hmm. below the surface you're hardened. Well, below the surface you're not you're not willing to let go of yeah. the things that truly have a grip on you. Yeah. That, and I think that's what it is. And we do have to ask ourselves and be proactive in yeah. checking where our hearts and our motives are. I was I was reading this morning. It's um I think it's, I was going through a devotional with a lot of scriptures and I think it's Isaiah, it's Isaiah 55 where it talks about our words aren't God's words and our ways aren't God's ways and and that being said, it's like God knows more than we know, mm-hmm. and we have to one in humility submit submit to Him in that, yeah. and then to allow Him the time and space yeah. to work in our lives, yep. just as though just as He is working in the lives of those who are new to their faith, or even those who don't even know Him yet. Yeah. And that that is the Holy Spirit's job. That it's not our job; it's the Holy Spirit's job to go in and do that. So. Yeah, it's exercising that submission and surrender, which goes with an alignment of do we truly believe that God is sovereign, meaning mm-hmm. he is in control. If we take out our belief in his sovereignty, then we'll take away our surrender mm-hmm. and we'll take away that submission because we can't have the surrender to submission without the sovereignty that we believe he has. Yeah. So those three go hand in hand and the, and the linchpin is the sovereignty. It comes back to the moment you say God's not right in this area, then you go, then he's not sovereign. Mm-hmm. He's not all knowing. He's not all powerful. He's limited by my understanding of the way the world is. He's limited by my desires and the way I think it should be. And it's like, well, then you think you're God at that point. So you haven't surrendered to God because you're still the one sitting on the throne. And so that's really the gut check that all of us have to have when we come to any area of, you know, conviction that God calls us to. And the gospel isn't a check your conviction first and then accept the gospel. It's recognize that God is in control. But if, if the, if the soil is shallow and below the surface you're hardened in an area that God's going to call you to be soft, mm-hmm. he's got to either break that ground, you got to let him break that ground, or that ground has to already be broken by the gospel. Mm-hmm. Hopefully when the gospel hits you, it's deep enough that it breaks all the rock below the surface. Yeah. So, okay. That was good. Believe it or not, we're out of time. <laughs> surprise, surprise. So, uh, as always, it's, time flies by when we so get into these good. conversations. <laughs> uh Still tons of conversation in the area of sovereignty, submission, um, where's God's, you know, what do we do with that surrender? Um, so many areas where we would have to trust God that are very, very difficult. Um, and we can maybe get into some of those in the future episodes. But for now, time's up. We're going to be wrapping it up right here. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series in John, Life and Death. Go check out the sermon if you didn't see it on northcoastchurch.com. Mm-hmm.